0: This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the radio.com app.
1: Radar! For the first time in 39 years, the
0: Boston Bruins have won the state. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from a Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calm. Everything gonna be alright? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the skate park. Some skate, I'll give it a B. B plus. On W-E-E-I.
1: Here we go, SkatePod, the third of October. Season opens tonight. Well, we taped this on Wednesday, but uh, NHL season opened on Wednesday night. And, of course, the Bruins Thursday night. Matt Kalman is here at WEI.com. Follow us at the Skate pod on Twitter. And uh, we appreciate the feedback there. Check out, Matt, brand-new power rankings up at WEI.com. You gave me some credit for these, but mostly it's a Kalman production. Uh, you went one through ten.
2: Well, it's actually a Scott McLaughlin production because he does the awesome slideshow with yep. it great graphic nice and easy uh, to experience click through.
1: i mean you didn't actually pick toronto fifth i know you you had them like 15th on the <laughs> list that i saw
2: is there 32 teams in the, in the league yet i'll put <laughs> toronto there
1: uh, you know, bruins I, third tampa one blues two yeah. Bruins third
2: yeah i read some people that did that also do power ranking saying that st louis as a defending champ has to be one, but i don't think so i think the team that set the record uh for wins last year and is bringing back almost the same team i think they're still the number yeah. one team the team to take down and I give the Blues credit for being number 2. I think the Falk addition, you know, improves them as opposed to the Bruins, and we could talk a little bit about this that the uh the Bruins didn't make any moves whereas the Blues at least went out and swapped an Edmondson for a uh a Falk and they they cut Maroon out of there, so, you know, they're they're a little bit improved but not uh different than the Bruins for sure.
1: Pete Blackburn's going to join us here in just a moment our uh, third member from uh, CBS Sports with us on Sunday Skate all last year. We'll get his uh, predictions on the season. Before, before we bring Pete on, though, you and I were over there at Media Day uh, over at uh, Warrior Ice in Brighton. And the, the takeaways for me as far as the on-ice product, obviously everybody talks happy this time of year. That's the, that's the main thing. But Don Sweeney talked about seeing a motivated team. Cam Neely echoed that. Don mentioned that he sensed the highly motivated group. Do you agree? And, I mean, where do you see that in particular?
0: Well, I saw it just in how they came to camp and, and how camp has gone, not just the preseason games, but more more importantly, the practices and how, how hard they're working in practices, the pace of practices. Um, you know, these guys, even though it was a short offseason, because, you know, you're talking about by mid-June, even if you're not having surgeries, you've got to give your body some time to rest and recover. So now you're getting into July, and then you're going to start working out again. So <clears throat> I'm impressed with with how they really prepared themselves this this particular offseason to come and and have the camp that they've had.
1: I mean, not surprising. They're going to say that whether they are or, or aren't, but Sweeney talked about doing a study of the last 5 years and teams mm-hmm. and how do you go back to back? This is a team though that's coming off it, it's like it's a it's a it is a dev- it's a cliche now hangover, it's a devastating game 7 loss. They have a couple injuries they're nursing through here and you lost 3 home games to the St. Louis <laughs> team. Like, you know, they're confident and and you do feel that over there, but at the same time, how do they mentally yeah. uh, handle coming off that the I, way I, they lost it last year?
2: I don't think the mental part affects them. I think because they also had a heartbreaking home loss in 2013, <laughs> the core of this team has kind of been through that. I don't think that loss sticks with them, and I think for the most part, I'm sure Sweeney's uh, study is right because we've seen you know Pittsburgh went back to back. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, Washington's gone deep and and then won the cup. Comp- I mean, these teams have gone this way. I think the only factor that maybe hurts the Bruins in this instance is that the core is so much older than maybe those cores were. Back, yeah, that's
3: back, the most recent, right? That's the only one that's been able to go on and, and get back there. Um, the funny thing is that the regular seasons were, were, were still pretty damn good. Now, again, there's an injury you know, bias associated with that as well. The team right. has to be able to stay healthy. Otherwise, it, it, it's, it skews that. you know. So we we're, we're understand that, and, and, and it could be a factor. I don't know yet, and I'm hoping that's not the case, obviously, right? Um, but those teams hit a wall at some point in time. You got to find your way through it. So, you know, it's a little bit of that forward-thinking process that we try and stay in front of as best we can, and react as you go along.
2: Crosby, Malkin—that wasn't. They weren't nearly as old as Bergeron, Krejci, Char are now. Um, so you just have a lot of older core. And how do you? And not... they and they
1: didn't change much. They and basically was... stayed intact. Right. They stayed they intact, said, and it, it was this. such
2: a grind. It wasn't just yeah. that they. I don't think the disappointing end of that is the factor here. The factor is a seven-game series till June the 12th, a, f- a seven-game series to start that, a six-game series with Columbus that was as physical as, you know, playoff series are these days. Yeah. That that took a toll. Chara took a puck in the mouth. Bergeron hurt his groin. All these guys got banged up. They didn't have a lot of time to recover. I don't think Bergeron needs preseason. A lot of preseason games, neither does Krejci, but you still need time with your team to really be up to game speed. We don't know what's going on with some of the other guys. Whether you know Grizzlick had an injury earlier in camp. Uh, clearly, they're going to start without Miller, Moore, and Nordstrom. So that's uh, kind of hurts you a little bit. It hurts your depth for sure if you do have now injuries in these games. But that's that's more the, the concern for me than some kind of mental hangover from Game Seven. I don't think. I really don't think guys have, have been thinking about it. Maybe since they came back, um, you know, once they're asked about it enough times, I don't think they're going to be having any nightmares about the Blues or you know going, Martian's not tossing and turning thinking about his line change.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, and, and real quick, do you think they're going to surprise us with any tweaks to the way they play? They obviously let uh, Johansson and Achari go. Yeah, they brought Richie in as a bigger guy. We kind of joked about that last right. week. But they didn't do any soul-searching like, we need to be this, or we need to be that. We need to tweak this no, part think, of our game. No, I think, I
2: mean, they've been pretty transparent that they would just want to get the defense more active, and more involved, and they want to be better five-on-five, and that's where the development of, of Grizzly and McAvoy and, and even Carlo is going to come in, and that's going to be. We look at it on paper; they haven't improved, except for maybe if you say, "Well, they didn't have coil most of last year. Now they have coil. That's an improvement." But the improvement comes from these young players, and now it's that doesn't just mean the the prospects; it means the guy, the young guys, the 22 year old Charlie McAvoy, who feels like he's been here a thousand years, but still a young guy learning learning the ropes here. These guys take the next step, become different players. That's like having an addition.
3: I like how we play. I, I think that we're a team that can, that can match up in every different situation. Uh, we can take it in the alley at periods of time. We can also try and score at periods of time. We've got really skilled players. We have passionate players, though, and that's the one thing that's, that will always resonate with me is guys that show up and, and, and want to play hard. And to me, that's, that's what our best players do. They play hard. They play the right way, and, uh, and you know, fortunately, they're, they're damn skilled.
1: All right, it was tough to get our next guest, but we found a way to do it. Let's bring on Pete Blackburn, CBS Sports. What's going on. So, are you going to tell us when this end of summer thing is happening, or what?
4: Yeah, I can tell you that it's not happening. Wow. Uh, I'm very just. Disup- I'm very disappointed. It was. Uh, it was yanked out from under me. Uh, I'll let you know since you guys have been harassing me the entire summer, asking when when's the end of end of summer thing coming. Uh, I was supposed to be invited to to training camp with the New Jersey Devils. Oh. And, uh, and it never ended up happening. It fell through. So, uh, very disappointed. Uh, I was supposed to, it was supposed to be like a one big joke where I kind of just like got to be a player for the Devils for a, a couple days. And uh, it never ended up happening. Very <sighs> disappointed.
1: Wow.
2: Another reason I hate New Jersey.
1: I know. Uh, what, and no explanation? Ray Shiro spiked it or what? Uh,
2: yeah, it was just, I think it just
4: kind of like, it was supposed to happen at a development camp. Then they pushed it back. Then it was supposed to happen at, like, captain's practice, and then they pushed it back. Then it was supposed to happen at training camp, and then it just never happened. So uh, not a tight ship to run it over there.
1: Treated like a piece of meat. I mean, do they know that you're Bob McKenzie's son? I mean, do they they know the relationship? I I think that's why. So much
4: for, you know, preferential treatment. (laughs) Let's
1: get right into it. First, before we get your previews, and uh, we'll go through some of the Bruins uh, projections and and whatnot, Pete, because I know you've been all over the league stuff. Uh, the big Bruins issues, first of all, Bacchus makes the team. And he's basically going to start, is uh, it definitive third-line wing? Yeah. Matt? I mean, that's that's in, in Cassidy's snow. trying
2: to drum up that Heinen-Riley-Nash-Bacchus magic from two years ago.
1: Well, I, I was over there watching the preseason game, the Bacchus game, as uh, as you were, Matt. And <laughs> he was he was great. I mean, he, he, and then, of course, he bleeds to the media after the game and he starts talking about the speed coach. and Divine uh, intervention. Know, divine intervention.
0: So the whole story is I was skating with my old high school, just kind of playing shinny on one sheet, and I had a text from uh, a friend of mine said that her sister-in-law's sister's on the other rink with a bunch of little girls that would love for me to go say hi to them. So I went over there and uh, said hi to them, and they were doing a drill. So 12-year-old girls, so I'm jumping in the drill with them, and I couldn't do the drill. And uh, it was maybe the most humbled I'd ever been in my life. And I went home, and I said, this is divine intervention. And I called that skating coach, and I said, I need you. Help me. And she helped me. And um, it was painful at times, I'm not going to lie, but I think it's, it's translated into... What I needed to have,
1: and uh, you know, it's a, it's a tear jerking story. But I, I, I mean, are we? Am I this gullible? Am I going to buy this? We ripped the guy all summer. Is he? I'm all, not buying. Is it. Is he all of a sudden third line wing worthy? What do you make of this, Pete?
4: No, I doubt it. I mean, he's he's old. He's, he's washed up. I don't think he just magically finds the you know the the magic in in the summer. Uh, maybe, I mean, we see David Backus and we see that, that he looks good in short amounts of times. Maybe he looks good for a game or two at a time, but I don't see a, a real sustained success story with David Backus, yeah. despite, you know, his, his uh, figure skating coach and all that. I still think that he's he's old David Backus, and we're going to lament his existence pretty <laughs> soon into the season.
2: I, I give Bruce Cassidy credit. He actually, you know, was in it with an opportunity to, to puff up David Backus. He threw in the caveat that, you know, we're still gonna have to rest him. You can't play three and fours, and you know. So they're 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 actually tempering it pretty well themselves. They understand that you know at some point Bjork's gonna be back here, or one of those forwards is gonna be back here, and, and this guy will be out of the out of a job. And he's just kind of a placeholder for now. And maybe if you prove to people that he can at least skate and hold his own on a fourth line. There's no room on a fourth line here, but at some point, maybe you know, with not with not as much of a sweetener as we thought, maybe somebody takes him on.
1: Credit I give Backus credit if he came up with the story. I mean, maybe it's true. I, I don't have reason to doubt him. It was not like a Bruins PR stunt or something to just pull the wool uh, over no, the, the
2: woman. Has actually gone on the record and talked about. Oh, it. Okay. Yeah, actually, is, I didn't this, see this, that.
1: Yeah. Probably in the athletic. I, I don't read that <laughs> that publication. All right, so Backus is the guy. So here's the this here's the big question: Is this team better than last year? Uh, the same? Worse?
4: I mean, if you if you're gonna pose that question, I think you kind of have to specify: is it better than the beginning of last year's team or the end of last year's team? Because those are two different teams. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, if you're looking at the the end of last year's team, I think they're worse because you lose uh, Johansson, and and I think that 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 hurts their depth. You still lose, you still have that that right wing uh, second line right wing gap, and I think that's going to hurt them. But you know, you do have Coil, so I guess. That's that they're probably in a better position now than they were uh, at the beginning of last
2: year. And the defense too. I mean, the defense is just so it's so solid and it's so consistent here. If they stay healthy, it's the same 6-D. I mean, Clifton I think gives them a deme- a, a little bit of a different dimension than Miller. And Miller should point. be
1: back. White right? should be maybe no, will be. I'm no, not, I'm not expecting it. I mean, oh, really? Donnie
2: Sweeney claims that Miller's on on skates. Didn't he said he, he said he's on skates? They didn't say he's been skating. <laughs> And uh no one's seen this actually happen, so um
4: I'm not... But I mean but I mean even on the on the defensive topic, I mean Charlie McBoy and Brandon Carlo took took big steps last year. Yeah. And so I think you're a little bit more solidified on the back end. Chara is a little bit of concern there because I think that he looked his age more last year than he previously did uh before that. But I, I also think that Mac Rislick looked really good last year. He sure. took big steps. Connor Clifton was solid at the end of the year. Uh, so I think you've got you've got a real uh, you know so you've got some depth on that back end and yeah. and I think you you're, you feel a little bit more uh, comfortable with what you have on the blue line
2: yeah and I think you know Wiggy was just in here pushing his Grizzly McAvoy pairing idea and you're going to see that you're going to see more of that whether they're behind in games or just um, they're going to you know there was, there was a story in the Athletic as Ken loves to say. Um, about ma- them managing Bergeron's time and, and and preserving him, the same thing's going to happen with Chara. It's not going to. Well, come I up asked
1: Cam Neely that question directly, and I'm going to yeah. so plug it in right here so our listeners can hear it. This was Great. yesterday media day. Here's what Cam had to say about managing the minutes at
0: Chara and Bergeron. Cam, with Chara
1: and Bergeron, is there any thought that limiting their difficult minutes within a game, you know, fewer defensive zone starts or things well, like that? Well,
0: it's already that's already happened with Patrice over over the last couple of years. Uh, he gets um, more offensive zone starts than he did probably you know in the, the previous previous years because he plays so well defensively but we're you know because of our depth especially down the middle as i mentioned earlier we're able to get guys that are good on faceoffs in a D d zone um hopefully you know we start with a puck and then and then you know you got to go 200 feet to score um but it's you know it's obviously going to depend on on what's happening during that particular game if they can reduce minutes um obviously if you're chasing the score, you're not going to be able to reduce as much as you'd like. But we've started, you know, Butch has started to, and even with Claude here, we started to reduce morning skates because I think it's just, uh, you know, more wear and tear on the body. And, and, you know, the the player itself has to really uh, uh, inform the training staff and the coaching staff how they feel, especially someone in, in Berge's position where, you know, we know he's... When, he's, when he steps on the ice, he's ready to go and he's going to play. And it's it's more just about having communication with the player and making sure the player's honest with how they feel, and Bergy will be that.
1: But, yeah, I mean, they, it's obviously on their mind. Right. And, and according to Cam, they've already done some of that.
2: Yeah, they've, they've definitely done it. And, you know, the, they needed the depth to be able to do it at this point, and they've planned out properly how to get uh, the right guys here. I think, to me, I, I think you'll even see the NBA scenario where if depending on situations back-to-back, so you might even see a guy get sat out just for his own good.
1: Like, a, you sit Bergeron for a night. You it's would sit just, Bergeron for a night if you had energy. to. If
2: you're playing on the road and, you know, pick your mm. crappy Western team, maybe you, you sit a guy out if you have to.
1: Boy, that'd be controversial, Pete. If that starts happening, I mean, not controversial, but just dangerous, right? I mean, it's a tough Atlantic division.
4: Yeah, I don't see it happening with Bergeron. Maybe, uh, maybe Char gets his maintenance days or, or something like that just because they think they have a bit more depth on the back end, especially when, you know, if some of those guys come back healthy, uh, you know, Moore and, uh, you know, Miller, you can plug and plug and play, I guess. And I would see that being a more likely scenario than sitting Bergeron. I just don't think that you have enough there to kind of be able to, to take away um, Bergeron. I, I also don't think that they, that you want to, I'm not that concerned about Patrice Bergeron.
2: Well, just but 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 on that topic though, we it, when you, you look at Bergeron, he had a nurse that's growing through the, through the camp, and we don't really know he's healthy enough to play. But is he a hundred percent? We don't know. Uh, Krejci clearly not a hundred percent at this point. I think he's going to play just based on he's David Krejci and he plays through stuff. But I mean, what's your concern level? I know where mine is. Where's your concern level on these guys staying healthy for the long haul if if they're, you know, not going to do things like sit them out and stuff?
4: Yeah, I, I it, there's obviously a concern. I think it's, it's especially a concern at the beginning of the year because the, the front end of their schedule is pretty tough yeah. and these guys are battling injuries. And I think there's a significant possibility that they get off to a slow start and that could really hurt them in a tough division. So... Uh, Yeah, it's certainly a concern at this point in time. I'm trying to save myself some headaches and some stress by not worrying about it long term, but I, I will cross that bridge if we come to it.
1: Well, there there were some prospects that were that flashed excitement. I mean, Lauko was one of them. It's actually funny to see he's like marooned on the fourth line in AHL uh, in Providence. So, which they're trying to like haze the guy or whatever. They're not
2: trying to haze. Him. They're trying to just they're trying to manage his minutes. They don't want to throw this nineteen year old into the American Hockey League at uh, top line. You know, but, true
1: yeah. or or Anders Bjork. You know, yeah. they, they've had some other players. Right. But do you see that as significant? Like, uh, here's my other big question the media day. I quoted Don Sweeney and I asked him about you know the young guys and what he's like excited about. And here was his answer: Are there certain skill sets you're excited about that? Hey, if we need this speed scoring, we can call on it at some point this season. Anybody that stands out, or um...
3: well, I think if they were further along in some of those areas, and specifically, they'd probably still be here. I think they've got areas that you know all those young players have areas that, that they can play here. I think, or you know, there are preseason. You know, we had a lot of guys go into situations, and they proved that they can at least play at this level. Okay, so we feel really good about that. Now, can they stay there and take a job when the games get really tough and play against certain lineups and mismatches and on the road? And that's where you're like, okay, there's a question mark there, and you want that player to question whether or not he's ready for those situations. So, yes, I think we have a balance. We have some kids with some speed. We want to see if they can score at this level or that level and prove that they can. We have other guys that can be more matchup, other guys that are, are you know, penalty-killing driven. Um, so we're trying to be as specific as we can with the areas that they need to continue to develop and, and rounding out their game. Um, and when they're the best players, and last year was a great example. We rolled into Dallas last year, and both sides were banged up on the back end. I don't even know if we had between the 12 guys that were on the ice, I'm not sure they had 200 games of NHL experience between them. It was unbelievable. And so you can't prepare for those things. You, you cross your fingers. And Jimmy Neal was saying the same thing down there that day. So, But we got through it and that's where you start to learn And then Phoenix the X and night and it was like you learn a lot from those situations hopefully the players do as well so they're yeah.
1: not ready or or is this like a danger we're going back to the clode. we're not playing young guys this team's built to win now we're not we're not messing around i mean i, I i'd rather see Lauko than Richie we went over that last week <laughs> they're not going to
2: throw a 19 year old into this lineup right now because of the way the team is built plus the way the type of player he is if he was just you know if he was a super high end Tyler Sagan type, yeah, you put, put him in there. This kid's going to be more of a middle six uh, guy. He's going to have to play with physicality. He's going to have to be a bit of an agitator and uh he needs more seasoning to get that done.
1: Well, you have a season to season him for the playoffs. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like by by the time the postseason comes around, hopefully these guys are ready to go.
2: It could be by February or March, you know, depending on how they they grow, but not to start the season.
4: They've done a decent job of finding these uh bottom of the roster players in in free agency and, th- and things like that. Like right. I'm willing to give Richie a chance because of, of what happened with with uh with Chris Wagner last year. I mean, I bet a lot. If you go back and, and you know look at the archives, I'm sure there were a lot of similar takes about Chris Wagner heading to the season, sure. where it's like, why don't you and, give one of the, the young guys right. a shot? He, and Nordstrom. He, Chris Wagner has limited right. upside. Yeah, but Chris Wagner was great for this team
2: last right. year. Exactly, and and I put Paul Lindholm in that more in that uh, realm than even Richie, because we know Lindholm can be a bottom six forward. He's a penalty killer, which uh, Sweeney and Cassidy love. And uh, he's more in that ilk, I think, than, than Richie right now. Richie's just being such a kind of a one dimensional guy, he might uh, that just might be what costs him a job here. Is that he doesn't you know really play much special teams to be to be as effectively?
1: They only had five twenty goal scores last year. Pasternak thirty eight, on thirty six, Bergeron thirty two, Debrus twenty seven, Krejci had twenty. Wagner actually is next at twelve, and then Hein at eleven. Of those, of like the next crop of guys that you expect or hope to see improvement from. Do they have another twenty goal scorer on the, oh, it should be on the Heinen, roster?
2: Obviously.
4: Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think it it, it the best uh, chance. I think is Dan Heinen, but I, I don't. I don't think that he he will like far exceed twenty. Maybe he sniffs twenty, and I think that's probably good enough uh, from from what you want from him.
1: What about McAvoy? I mean, he's like to score twenty goals, but how about point wise for McAvoy? He was at uh, what? I mean, played didn't play a whole full season, but twenty eight points. How, how many do they need from McAvoy? Fifty.
4: I don't know. I, I just think for, for Charlie McEvoy, you obviously want to see the offensive game come a little bit. I don't know what you, would, what his feeling is, I guess for, for, for points, uh, 50 is probably maybe too much. Um, but yeah, I do think that, that he is capable of raising that offensive game and you, you want to see it this year, especially, uh, if the Tory Krug situation continues to to be a, up in the air,
1: yeah, and that's the thing because he's not going to play a ton of power play minutes, right? right?
2: They're, so ne- they're never that second group almost never gets yeah. on the ice, so you're not going to see that. But yeah, so what you brought up, Tory Krug? What's your what's your gut feel on that right now? That you've heard pretty much everyone go on the record about what they're thinking and how they're approaching this. What do you, what are you feeling about Tory Krug and staying now?
4: I, I mean the the numbers. And their cap situation, I'm still a little bit worried. But it seems like both sides really want to get it done. And I do think that he's the kind of guy who will be willing to take less than market value uh, to stick around here. And he really wants to be here. So i give it at least a, a 50-50 shot that they're able to retain him and sign him to an extension. I think that, you know, I... From what I've seen from Sweeney, he's done a really good job of being able to retain the guys that he wants to retain. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that he sticks around.
1: At what dollar figure? Because what oh, the open That's, market? I is, mean, uh, what's he make open market? Eight million a year? Yeah, open market. Yeah, I least.
4: think I think at least eight million, especially if he hits uh, if he hits UFA. So, you know, maybe seven seven and a half at at a long term deal. Uh, you know, if you can get him at that, I think you're happy.
2: It's just occurring to me now that the, the best thing that might be going for the Bruins in this scenario is that yeah, Tory Krug can get eight million on the open market, but who is he getting it from? And the thing is, the right. teams that are good aren't going to have that kind of cap space for to sign a defenseman through 35 years old. You know, the, the the one that comes up all the time is Detroit. Well, how long is it going to be till Detroit with Krug making eight million a year is going to be really competitive to be in the Bruins? class the Leafs class and I think that's going to be the, the determining factor here for Tory Krug is where can he go and win now if I, I don't know what the cap situation is in like a place like Chicago where they might be able to turn it around quicker but I mean let's face it the winning here is definitely most important to the, to him at least I again I don't know much about Charlie Coyle and what he really thinks and, and have a feel for him personally but Torrey Krug you know I've, I've covered him his whole career I mean that, that so I, I kind of really have a feel for him and people around him and things like that and I think they're really he's really gonna value the, the the staying here as a part of a competitive team that can challenge for the cup every year.
4: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that there's uh you know, I think that Tory Krug is that guy. Like if there's a guy who's gonna stick around and take less money to be here and to play for a winner, I, I don't necessarily know how you weigh like the the competitive thing when you're signing a seven-year deal. Like the Bruins have a lot of aging players. They could easily be a middle-of-the-road team in, in like three or four years. So if you're signing a seven-year deal, you know, who knows where the where, what the league looks like in, in four years. It's tough to project that. But I do think that Tory Krug loves Boston, and I think that he loves a lot of the guys in that locker room. And, and so I think that's going to weigh heavily on his mind when he makes that decision whether he wants to take less money or not.
1: Well, if it comes down to Krug versus Coyle, who's the preference? I mean, who's the priority? Because, I mean, it's a different maybe short-term the long-term answer. Right now you need Krug but for the next couple of years, it feels like, to still, like, bridge over, but that's not possible. So uh, you're either committing to one or the other. Uh, it seems like uh, Coyle is more important now based on the injured four. They, they, they can't let him go, right? Hometown guy, came in, success, health well, of let's, Bergeron well,
2: let's, and doof Let's see what he does for a season. Or at least three right. three quarters of
4: his, his season. Consistency has been a real issue for Charlie Boyle yeah, over, exactly. over the course of his career, right? And uh, he, maybe he was revitalized, and that kind of sticks now that he's here. But I, I want to see it for a bigger sample size because that right. was, his consistency was a real issue for him in Minnesota. Um, but I maybe you don't even need to make the decision I, I wrote uh, in one of my hot takes on CBS Sports <laughs> today uh, that. I could see the Bruins easily parting ways with David Krejci after this year, with one year left on his contract. They trade him, use that money that they free up, and and put it towards a coil extension and make him the, the second line center.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but there's I, no doubt that that could happen. They they could bring them both back without even doing that. I mean, there are there are ways right. to maneuver, and uh, you know, obviously they could again they could revisit the Backus thing. A buyout of Backus maybe wouldn't help them as much, but another team. Might be able to utilize that, and then you wouldn't have to sweeten it as much. So you take that money off, you free up enough space. But yeah, I just to go back, I I kind of want. I mean, Troy Coyle was great in the playoffs, great in this preseason so far. Let's, and I think a lot of his inconsistencies in Minnesota was Minnesota based because they were moving him to the center of the wing. They weren't giving him regular power play time. I've, I've talked to a lot of people uh, in Minnesota about the fact that he was kind of jerked around. There's, there's been a few guys that have been jerked around over there, the guys that they wound up trading. But let's just see how he handles this over a course of a season. And maybe takes the job from Krejci. Maybe at some point he is is the better option to be to get more minutes and be that second line center. And then that you know really creates flexibility. But let's let's see him. Let's have him prove something first.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, uh, you know as you guys pointed out, Johansson's not here, so that was that yeah. was also a big factor in his success. So who knows what he does with Richie and and you know Backus? God, you know God. <laughs> I mean, it's actually I mean it would actually be a miracle if he's what we saw in the playoffs, based on that uh, combination. All right, so order of finish, uh, I believe you went true hulk and picked the Bruins Matt, to win the Atlantic, right? Or yeah. Well, you've got them winning the East. I don't know about I that. I do not have them winning the East. I have
2: them winning the Atlantic. Oh. And uh, then I have Pittsburgh, my Stanley, my Stanley Cup finalist. Which is unbelievable. Uh, we'll get back to that
1: in a second. Yeah, but, um, crazy.
2: talk. <laughs> but the point is, I think the Tampa Bay learned something last year. It's like, don't kill yourselves to set records and win divisions. I could actually also see them getting off to a slow start here because it's going to be hard to put themselves together. But clearly, in the end, uh, talent will win out, and they'll they might have be better in the playoffs. You know, it's kind of that Washington syndrome where Washington was winning, you know, finishing first every year and never yep. got anywhere. You know, you come off the gas a little bit and you save it for the playoffs. Maybe you have a better reaction. And so, I think the Bruins would be the one to take
1: advantage of that. What's your order of finish in the Atlantic, Pete? What, have you predicted this yet?
4: uh yeah i have I have tampa first i think that maybe they take their foot off the gas but you look at the fact that they had a historically good regular season last year even if they do take their foot off the gas i still think that they're the best team in the league they're going to finish first in the in the in the atlantic i have toronto second uh i think that you look at at the what the bruins have at the beginning of their schedule and and i think that a slow start could really hurt them and toronto jumps them in the in the standings, and I think uh, the Bruins finished third. And then I have uh, I think Florida and Montreal make the playoffs behind uh, wow. them. Mm. So I, I'm picking five teams out of the out of the Atlantic to make the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, that's my top four. I don't see Montreal making the playoffs, but anyway, which, Matt, what was your order of finish? You remember?
2: Definitely Montreal next. Um, but who? But you have
1: Tampa one, Tampa, Toronto, Boston. I have B-
2: Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Boston,
1: Tampa, Toronto. Yeah,
2: Montreal, and then I think I might have dropped Florida down just to be. The but, actually contrary. no, they're probably next, but I don't have Florida
1: in the playoffs. So that's for sure. Man, you hate Toronto, so you, you're not <laughs> you, you. do not believe in Cody Cc and Oh my uh, god, the, listen, Tyson Berry. Do you
2: think the general manager and the coach of that team ever talk? Do they ever like have coffee? The guy signed Jason Spezza, and tonight, opening night, last night, when you're hearing this, he's scratching Jason Spezza. I mean,
1: can you guys can they agree on anything? Those guys, veteran presence. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah, Toronto, Pete. Would you sense like a great regular season or a dumpster fire? Just the total. <laughs> it started off with drama with this Matthew stuff.
4: I think. I mean, I think, I think it's gonna be a little bit of a roller coaster. It always is up there. But I, I like their team this year. I I think that you know, obviously they still have some concerns on on the back end especially on the right side. But I I think relative to what it was last year, they might be in a better situation. I think Tyson Berry is really strong. I think that that was a a nice little deal for them, even if he's, he's only there for, for one year, but you know, you know, they have so much firepower up front. I think William Nylander is going to have a nice bounce back year. They're still an extremely dangerous team. So a second in the, in the Atlantic is is where I'm putting them. I, I just think that they're sort of, have more explosiveness to them than the Bruins do, and that that might uh, you know might put them over the top in terms of securing home ice.
1: Well, let's go back to this Pittsburgh winning. Yeah, let's def- I'll defend my Pittsburgh. Here, here's the-
2: first of all. You, you st- I start with the premise always that I'm not going to pick who everyone's picking. So everyone's got Vegas, everyone's got Tampa, everyone's got Washington. No one. I got Carolina. You have Carolina with. The- they're That's, for real. That, that, that needs more defending than anything. But my, my point with Pittsburgh is just that, first of all, you, Malkin bounces back. So you have Malkin and Crosby carrying this team. They have the goaltending. Their defense is definitely underrated. I I don't pick them to win that division. I pick them to just have a, a solid regular season, finish second or third in their division. And you know Rutherford's always going to bolster his lineup over the course of a season. He, he's he's pretty much a master at that. I already like the Galchenyuk and Tanev additions to their front to their front uh, group. So I went out of, outside of the box and it we're doing the East. I have Colorado winning the Cup.
1: <laughs> Who's your Cup pick, Pete? And go ahead and rip Matt from uh, Pittsburgh pick. Yeah, I don't. I'm not buying Pittsburgh. I think that they
4: they are going to be on the playoff bubble this year, and I could I could see them missing. Honestly, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on them. Their back end is a mess at times. Latang had a great year last year, but I'm not fully confident that he finds it two years in a row. So I I don't love that Pittsburgh pick. I'm gonna pick uh I'm going with Vegas and I think that, that they get it done. I mean, their their front six is, is unbelievable, maybe the best in hockey. So uh they they're really strong, two way team. If they can get the goaltending, if Mark Andre Fleury can hold on to it, I can easily see them winning the cup.
1: I took Nashville just on the and is this year's Ryan O'Reilly. Their defense is really good. They've kind of evened out. They're more balanced than they were than last it year. could be a, And it
2: could, that could be a last hurrah in Nashville. Yep. You know, with, with the OC deal gets done, they're going to have to shed some people, and that core might get broken up. So that, that's a decent pick. I don't, I don't mind that one. I, have, I think I had them winning that division at least. How do, you, how do you see that central division, though, Peter? I think that's the number one. No, to me, brutal. that's the number one storyline is how the hell, you know, you throw Minnesota out of it, but how the hell do you pick between those teams? Like, who's going to come out of that division?
4: Yeah, I have Nashville, Colorado, Dallas, and the Blues as my top four uh, coming out of there. I think Winnipeg is going to take a major dip based off of what they lost on their back end in this offseason. They're going to need to score a ton of goals. But, you know, I think the Blues coming on the wild card just because I I need to see a bigger sample size from Jordan Bennington. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, obviously they're not going to be as bad on on the front half of the schedule as they were last year. But they're also definitely not going to be as dominant on the on the back half. So, uh, you know, I think I love uh, I love the Colorado. I think that they're going to be pretty close with Nashville 1-2. Dallas, Ben Bishop was really, really good last year. They added Joe Pavelski. So, uh, Rupe Hint started coming on. I think they've got a little bit more to them up front. They're going to score more goals. And their defense was really strong last year. So, uh, I think that's a really, really good division, uh, especially at the top.
1: Before we... Uh... Wrap it up with Pete. I do want to get Pete's perspective on this because the the biggest story from Media Day was the garden the, the garden <laughs> seats. Okay, uh, you were over there talking to the Jacobs brothers, uh, brothers Charlie <laughs> and, his, and his father. Yeah, or it was Charlie. It's just Charlie. Yeah, and so oh, there's all this bitching about the size of the seats. Now Pete's got n- no problem there, as we saw from his uh, Disney Trip. trips, no issues. <laughs> but like. So they're trying to defend it as this is NHL standard size. But what, are these pictures doctored? You're the gift master, Pete. Like, how I see all these social media pics of pe- people barely squeezing into the seats at the uh, garden.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they're doctored because they're coming in from all over the place. We've seen multiple pictures of just how little leg room and the seats are pretty narrow. You know, it's it's honestly a disgrace if that's if that's how small those seats are because those don't look like giant human beings. They look like normal people <laughs> right. who are literally hanging over these seats. Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm very blessed in being compact and and uh, and being able to fit in tiny areas. But we know the Bruins fan base. Look across Boston. Look across uh, the TD Garden on an average oh, Bruins look, night. Look across America. It's <laughs> just. Uh, speaking of disneyland it's the the most overweight people that i've ever seen in my life don't worry don't uh, eat
2: three turkey legs a day down there so
4: (laughs) so i think it's going to be a a real issue and and especially because that's not a correctable issue that you know we've heard your complaints two weeks into the season they're gonna rip every seat out of the stadium and and replace them you're gonna have to deal with this for an entire year and Uh, you know, there's going to be more people filing in uh, all all year long that are finding out about how bad these seats are. So I think it's honestly going to be a nightmare.
2: It's not going to be a nightmare because what happens is, and the one thing Charlie did say correctly was that this is kind of standard. Now, I don't know if he's saying that the league gives an edict that this is how big the seat's going to be, but this is what the uh, trends in the arena building has become. And I see it at baseball games that I go to. There's just no leg room, and they don't really care because if you read the New York Times article, they don't care if there's anyone in the stands as far as fans wearing sitting in regular seats. As long as their regional TV money is rolling in and they're selling enough luxury suites and bar standing room spots, that's where they make all their money now. So they don't care how many seats they squeeze in and how little leg room you have. And, you know, if pe- the only way it would ever change is if people stop going. And I can guarantee you this – you know, fake, somewhat fake sellout streak the Berwins have had for the last twelve years is going to continue, and people are going to go and they're going to tweet funny pictures, but they're still going to go to the damn games, and that's all that matters.
4: I suppose <laughs> I, I, I'm less bothered by the, the legroom than how narrow those seats look, because yeah. the worst thing in the world is just having people spill over into uh, your personal space yeah. and just like rubbing shoulders <laughs> in the middle of the game. And it's if that's the case, I mean, it, I will say. The uh, the balcony seats look like they have a little bit more room and and uh, luxury to them, which goes to prove, uh, you know, my my long held theory that the balcony is the place to be at hockey yeah. games. You want to be higher up, and and that's the best place to sit.
2: I mean, if people really want to complain and send the message, they do it with their credit card and their wallet, not. With tweets of pictures, yeah, but it's you, not going to make a but difference. But you already
1: purchased these. I mean, the year is sold. Like, you did this based on a promise of, oh, $100 million renovations. This is going to be great. Then you show up, you're sardined in. They're going to be the I mean, it's, coming off of Game 7 of the Cup Finals, this will be the biggest income story for inequality. the year. As
2: long as the people standing in these new clubs and not even watching the game and drinking, you know, $18 martinis are happy. That's all anyone cares about. I mean, that's that's the world we live in. That's, just, that's not just sports arenas. That's everything.
4: I think uh, one of the one of the least they talked about things, which is surprising about this story, is that they started doing this uh, last year during the playoffs. They started doing it like uh, I think in the Eastern Conference Final or the Stanley Cup Final. Like they were just sneaking in extra seats so that they could sell more tickets <laughs> right. during the playoffs. All
1: right, Pete, great stuff. We know you're a CBS uh, warrior, of course, CBSsports.com. Very, very uh, coveted these days. Very busy. We'll uh, maybe check back in November or December, get your take on things. Not by
4: the New Jersey Devils,
1: though. I know, man. Man. Hope they (laughs) they finish last.
2: Mickey Mouse organization, (laughs) as they used to say.
4: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
1: There you have it, the great Pete Blackburn. Uh, You want to get to listener mail? We have uh, one question from Maria this week, which we must get in. Sure. I
2: Um, I kind of Pondered her question already? Yeah. You can read read it out loud. And
1: I talked one-on-one yesterday with Yaro Halak, so I want to get my question to Yaro in to answer her question. Sure. She asks, Maria, Bruins start the season challenging road trip. How do you anticipate the workload to be distributed between Tuca and Halak? Two and two. Two and two for the road trip? Yeah. And on the season, I mean, this is what I asked, uh, you know, Yaro. This yeah. is becoming the trend. The timeshare you guys had last year is kind of a blueprint around the league. Do you see other teams going that way, where it's almost very few guys are going sixties plus games anymore?
4: Uh, no, I think I think it's uh, I think it's a trend around around the league that um, teams want to have uh, goalies that can uh, share the net or go, you know, whatever forty-five and or fifty-five, whatever it is. Uh, um, so, uh, it's, it worked last year and, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I'm just, I just want, I just want to help the guys, uh, whenever I can and whenever I get a chance and I'm pretty sure they'll do the same.
1: And, you know, he's gives you the standard answer there, but yeah, they're, they're going to timeshare as they did yeah. last year, right? There's no That's why he's here.
2: There. I mean, we can never figure out why would this guy who can be a number one in the league sign here and that's why, because they, they promised him this ice time and I mean. Let's not get into this, you know, how long Tuka's rope is or whatever Ooh, people want to say. But how long is the leash? You know, we saw last year when, when Halak was out playing him, he he got more time and you know, we'll see how the season plays out. There's no there's no fortune telling here. But would you be absolutely shell shocked if by this time in April Halak was gonna be opening the playoffs? Would you be completely awestruck? Uh, oh You'd yeah, be, I'd yeah, be. Surpri- I would.
1: I'd be based sur- off last year's postseason. I'd yes. be
2: surprised, but we don't know how the season's going to play out. You don't know how Tuca's going to perform. You just don't at this age, at this the rigors of this league, the way things are going. Um, it's 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 impossible to predict the goaltending.
1: Well, now in the anywhere. AHL. The top prospect is Kaiser, right? Yeah, and the main the kid from Maine um, is still in school. It's still in school. Yeah. So the prospect. I mean, you're sort of count. This is a big year for Tuca, right? I mean, you would admit if he backs up last year and has another fabulous season where he's a top 10 goalie yeah. you're talking about contract extension well that's going to be
2: that's going to be some negotiation i don't know how you predict that one but we saw what the, what the golden knights did with flurry um they didn't seem too scared off by uh any kind of injury history or performance drop off so it'll be interesting to see how that one goes but let's let's see what tuka does first you know <laughs>
1: Uh, I want to ask you this question. It's not from a listener, but the what, what the cap maneuverability where they used yeah. uh, Coleman and Clifton. Let's, and, let's really bore our listeners. Well, I mean, what? So what Listen, it's, just, it's all paper moves. Uh,
2: uh, I'll say it. Yeah, it's paper moves. Um, fortune cookie on a napkin answer is you need to exceed the cap by as much as you can to max. Or, or, no, you need to be as close to the cap as you can so that when you go over the cap, you can, you have more space, so you add, and and that's why with Clifton and Kuhlman, they don't require waivers. You're able to send them down, and bring up Vakaninen who has bonuses in his entry level contract. That pushes it up. I believe, I'm sure some capologists will listen and correct me. I hope they did, because I'd love more people to explain this. It's this is the only sport where people, a lot of people that are a lot more famous than me, don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to this. I've at least tried to read the CBA, read some of the cap-friendly <laughs> helpers and i got a, a decent grasp of what this is all about. You see teams do it all the time. Uh, the Leafs had to do it. I think they kept this Lilligren guy for that purpose. Um, but Kuhlman and Clifton practiced on Wednesday, left for Dallas with the team. Vakonainen with the P. Bruins. Don't and, worry. And Kuhlman, don't by the way, panic.
1: Kuhlman is going to start with Krejci, yeah. Provided Krejci starts, right. If not, is Lindholm going to actually be the second yes, center? Yes, I think pump? they'll
2: do that because they want to keep the lines balanced. Now, I, I, I kind of—it was a small group of media on Wednesday with Bruce Cassidy. It was only like four or five of us, and I kind of wanted to make the joke of Bruce to say, "How long until you change your lines?" Well, <laughs> even he night. said, "Well, he but said at the podium,
1: yeah. he promised that Pasternak was going to play with right. Krejci.
2: You're going to see plenty of changing. I mean, yeah, I think if Krejci was out on Thursday night. You would see Lindholm in that spot just so we can keep Coil with Heinen. That would be like a pair. Uh, you know, obviously the top line would be together. But let's face it, uh, Bruce Cassidy would take like three shifts before he would change that if he didn't like it. So it's it's fluid.
1: Jakob Zboril stayed up a little extra. Yeah, is that a sign they like him and he's the next man up ahead of even Euro? I think if
2: a left, depending, it might depend on a left or a right. But yeah, I think yeah. they liked him. And you know, people want to knock him. He's not. He's probably, again, a guy, we've seen so many of these guys that are penalized for where they're drafted. It's not his fault where he was drafted. He's come a long way. He's a solid, you know, defensive defenseman, maybe with a little offensive spark if he gets the confidence. But they trust him, I think, to play at least third pair of minutes if they need it. And, you know, we saw last year <laughs> they needed that by November. They needed to get down to their fourth and fifth guys. So.
1: Um, what do you think their plan is with Bjork? I mean, do they have a target date of like a month, or just he's going to be there get, until he some, needs somebody? Get
2: some games, get 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 that scoring touch, get the finish. Because he's the, he's he the, the first, first winger up, right? I mean, that's that's it's the not, first. Well, it's not. No, it's he's not the first winger up. If they need like a fourth liner, you know, if they need somebody for okay. bottom six, it'd be Trent Frederick or you know someone like that. Yeah. Um, you, you have like thirty days on the waivers. You could call up even like a Brendan Gontz or somebody if you needed a bottom six guy. Um. But yeah, when when they if they need scoring and that might even just mean bumping Coleman down to the bottom six and putting Bjork with Krejci or whatever at that point, they want to see him score. And it's not you know it's not about creating the chances he can do that. They want to see him finish. They want to see him you know kind of learn those types of things and and clearly just you know, clean up some other parts of his game. So there's no target date, and they definitely it's not just going to be judged on how he's doing things. They're going to look for production from him and. He should go down there and produce in the the way he did uh, in the rookie camp. Where how many times have I seen guys that are supposed to be heads and shoulders above a lot of the guys in these rookie camps, the development camps, and they don't do it? And this guy went out there and he was, you know, probably one of the top four or five players in the whole rookie camp that uh, the rookie tournament. So he's he's proved himself. I mean, he had a great preseason, great, you know. Now go out and do it.
1: Well. Um... Go out and do it. Now, last year, they didn't have a great start. The Capitals uh, beat yeah. down in game one is, is memorable. Of course, then when you look back on the season, they had the, the bonding trip, and everybody talks about how great it was, uh, and they came together, yeah. but you know that got lost. But just in terms of the first four games, by the time we talk next, they'll have three games in. Yep. Dallas, good team, Thursday night. Arizona, surprising team from last year on Saturday night, and Vegas, uh, maybe the uh, Western favorite yep. on Tuesday night. Uh, late night games, see if you stay up for it. And then, of course, we'll be talking the day of the Colorado game. Uh, I mean, if they go, well, you know, <laughs> 2 and one you're thrilled, right? You get,
2: exactly. We get four points out of this thing, you know.
1: Tough start. And then the home games to begin are Jersey, Pete's favorite, Anaheim, and then the, the first matchup with Maybe Taylor. they're waiting
2: to put Pete into, the, into that game.
1: Good point. <laughs> good point. Hughes didn't look that good to me. Uh, that game we saw, Mark. Right, do you have any like dramatic predictions to uh, end us on here? Anything you uh, foresee that uh, nobody else is? First of all, the media uh, press box is not open either, so I mean you're going to be freaking losing your mind if you and Haggerty are sitting together uh, as close as, as you were the other night.
2: Exactly, it's unbelievable how tight they. People complaining in the stands. I try to be us. We're trying to actually work while we're sitting like that, but yeah. no. Uh, No bold predictions, just uh, Just ready to go. Ready to go, yep. All
1: right, thanks for the listener feedback, and uh, keep that coming. We'll be on every Thursday. Bonus pods coming from Matt Calman. we think. Who knows? When they pop up, (laughs) when they creep up. Talk to you next week.